I've just always um, taken the time to, um, you know, meet with people or listen to people's stories, um, you know. And so to me, it's like always taking the meeting, I think, is something that, um, you know, I've excelled at. And, you know, you might have an idea of, you know, somebody, but until you have that conversation and, you know, really sit down with them, you have no idea where that can where that can go. You know, if it it's rarely going to be a complete waste of time. And I think sometimes you can figure that out before. It's not like you have to take every single meeting, but, you know, as long as it aligns with, um, you know, your goals, I think it's like, you know, always take the meeting. Um, it's, you never know where those conversations lead to and just building your network is huge. It's gotten me basically to any role that I've been in, honestly. And, um, it's, it's never a bad thing to work on that. And, um, you know, people will appreciate you taking the time to meet with them and learn more about them and, um, you know, feel that they're cared about. People really appreciate that. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations with entrepreneurs who started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and my guest on today's episode is Executive Director of Tampa Bay Tech, Megan O'Keefe. Growing up in a family focused on college athletics, Megan graduated from John Carroll University, where she played competitive soccer all four years. Since then, she's worked in a variety of industries before joining the nonprofit sector at Tampa Bay Tech, whose mission is to radically connect the tech community in Tampa Bay. Today, Megan and I talk about the importance of an entrepreneurial mindset, the growth of the technology sector in Tampa Bay, and the three questions she was taught to ask when she is faced with failure. Now listen in, because I know you're going to enjoy this episode. Megan, thank you for joining me today on The In Factor. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. And, um, you know, I've been following along what you've been doing at UT, and it's pretty awesome to see. And everybody that I've met that's involved with it and coming out of there, um, all great people, all great collaborators in the Tampa Bay community. So um, I love seeing what you guys are doing. So well, thank, thank you, thank you. Well, th this is um, this is a lot of fun for me, and I really enjoy it, and uh, love the Tampa Bay community as well. It's been it's been a joy to be at the University of Tampa. So um, today, I'm I'm really excited, Megan, because you um, lead one of our. Um, entrepreneurial support organizations here in Tampa Bay. And I think it's always great to have um, the opportunity to talk to people that are in that role, that support entrepreneurs and that bring that entrepreneurial mindset to, um, to these organizations um, that, that help uh, us build our entrepreneurial ecosystems around the country. And, and the world, quite honestly. And Tampa Bay has really grown a lot. Um, 
But I'd like to sort of back up a little bit uh, before we kind of get into talking about Tampa Bay Tech and your work there and get a little bit of a feel for who you are and how you got into this role. So um, I know you went to John Carroll University. I'm very familiar with that. They have an entrepreneurship program up there mm-hmm. uh, also. So I'm, I'm just really curious, um, you know, have you always wanted to be in, you know, working with entrepreneurs and um, in the entrepreneurship space? And, you know, have you been an entrepreneur um, in your life up to this point? Yeah, no, all great questions for sure. And I know I'm very jealous because John Carroll did not have that program when I was going through there. So honestly, no, like thinking about entrepreneurship wasn't a thing for me. Um, I grew up, my dad was actually a football coach and my mom was a teacher and did a lot of different um, jobs as we moved around for um, his work. But, you know, I don't know. Entrepreneurship just wasn't a you know a word in our household, and a lot of the people that um, you know my parents were friends with, or I knew, even if they are called entrepreneurs now, they weren't really called that you know when I was growing up. So um, it wasn't really something that I thought about. But um, both my parents are. My dad's pretty innovative. He, even though he's a football coach, he was always really business savvy and helped me along the ways um, of just like good ideas um, for different things. If it was, you know, during schoolwork or even, you know, with different jobs I've had. And then my mom is like super creative and has always been the person, you know, when we came home with homework and had issues or problems that she would be able to like help on different projects or help, help me think of how to do something in a different way. So, you know, it might not have been the entrepreneur mindset, but I still grew up in a like kind of innovative thinking, um, you know, creative thinking atmosphere. So I think that's kind of taken me along this way into, um, you know, where I am now. But yeah, no, it definitely wasn't something that I thought about before. Yeah, I'm. I love. Uh, I love your answer, your response, and the way that you you framed that because I too grew up in a household where the word entrepreneur wasn't something that we used. My mom was a business owner at one point, but she had an entrepreneurial mindset uh, in everything that she did, uh, like your parents. And so I learned that, as you probably did as a child. Um, you know, the, the ability to see opportunity, the willingness to take action and the perseverance to keep executing past failure, which is, um, actually the three competencies of entrepreneurship that I write about in, in my book, uh, see, do repeat. So, you know, that I, I love your answer to that. So you, um, you found yourself at John Carroll, which is in Northern Ohio, the Cleveland area. Are you from that part of the, you said you moved around a lot. So you've traveled and, and lived in a lot of places with your family. Yeah. Um, I mean, since my dad was a football coach, we kind of had to go where his roles took us, but I was born in Pennsylvania in Meadville, where Allegheny College is. And then um, we, my dad got a new job at Fordham University. So we ended up moving to Connecticut. Um, Both my parents are actually from there. So it was a fun time because we actually lived near family for the first time and the only time. Um, And then then his profession took us to Iowa. Um, He was at the University of Iowa for several years. So I mostly grew up there. 
Um, and he actually went to John Carroll. So that's how I knew about it. And um, it was kind of a last minute decision. I was actually enrolled at Mizzou. I wanted to go through their journalism program. Um, and then last minute, I just wanted to still play soccer somewhere. And, uh, you know, it ended up being the perfect fit for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think I read that you played soccer all four years. So good for you. And no knee injuries in all that? <laughs> uh, knock on wood. I still try to play once a week um, in the club sports here. But um, yeah, no, luckily I've been I've been pretty lucky uh, throughout my career and athletics that no real bad injuries. So Yeah. You know, a lot of athletes, um, I think, develop that entrepreneurial mindset, certainly the resilience and perseverance piece. And um, there are a lot of different ways through our lives, I think, that we can develop those skills, um, not just with starting businesses. But when we get to the point that we're leading um, or starting businesses, those skills can can be really valuable. So I'm sure that you've found a lot of that, that you, a lot of those skills and training uh, that you developed and, um, you know, as an athlete and, and throughout your, your life with a father who was a, a coach, um, I'm sure you've been able to apply a lot of those. So tell us how you, um, let's talk a little bit about Tampa Bay Tech. What is Tampa Bay Tech and how did you get to, uh, to this role with Tampa Bay Tech? Yeah. Um, so Tampa Bay Tech is a nonprofit membership-based organization. So our real mission is to truly radically connect the tech community in Tampa Bay we do that through, uh, you know, different initiatives, but it's a lot of networking. It's a lot of programming. Um, and we just do a lot of things throughout the year that really bring the community, the tech community here closer, um, you know, whether it's helping people learn more about the technologies that are up and coming, helping in tech advancement in the area and just um, creating those better partnerships in the area so that our ecosystem is really working together to you know, really help make Tampa Bay a tech hub. Um, and so, you know, the kind of the cool thing about our organization is it's been around for 23 years now and was created when tech definitely wasn't a thing in Tampa Bay, right? You know, Florida was traditionally known for agriculture and tourism. And, um, you know, 20 year, 23 years later now, you know, we are that tech ecosystem. And so this organization was kind of formed to, bring those, um, it was a lot of like tech professionals and non-tech companies together um, to be collaborative, to work together, to learn about the different technologies. And so we've kind of evolved from there. Yeah. I moved uh, to Tampa 14 years ago. I can't believe it's been so long. It goes by really fast. But um, I know when I came, I saw tons of opportunity, but um, you know, that still wasn't being exploited really and taken advantage of. And the, the Tampa Bay community has grown phenomenally. And as you pointed out, we've been pretty strong. A few years ago, we did some research on the, um, you know, the, the industries and, and the concentration of industries. And as you pointed out, tourism and, uh, and agriculture historically, and then tourism and real estate uh, as well, have been big, and then finance. Um, but technology has been a struggle. And um, I think thanks to organizations like Tampa Bay Tech, we've seen a lot of growth. And so thank you for all that you've done. Let's talk about that a little bit. What do you think have been 
Uh, and uh, so let's talk about what have been some of the challenges for technology companies in a city like Tampa Bay that maybe has, hasn't been historically, you know, all about tech. Um, and, and, and what do you think some of the challenges are? What, are, what have the historical challenges been and kind of what are we, what are we still struggling with? Yeah, I think it kind of depends on, you know, the stage of the company that, you know, you're talking about. For Tampa Bay Tech, we're a little, a lot of our members are a little more advanced. You know, it's not typically the startup. Um, you know, we know Tampa Bay Wave, Embark Collective, Tampa Bay Innovation Center, they have great resources for the startups. Um, but a lot of um, the other companies that have been around for a while, you know, it really was just like, trying to feel included who else in this area is doing what I'm doing and figuring out who those people are that they can work with and uh, collaborate with and just, you know, try to figure out what's going on as these tech advancements are happening. And then just like creating those uh, structures for career development as well, you know, so making sure that, you know, you know, people have the opportunity to learn, um, you know, what the next next stage for them will be in their tech career and making sure that, you know, we can help get them to that point. So I think a lot of that. And then, you know, for some of these startups, it's, you know, you were talking about real estate. We have a lot of money here in Florida and in Tampa Bay, it's a little more hidden. And, you know, there's a lot of investors, but a lot of real estate investors. And so, you know, how we change that narrative and how we get people to maybe switch their mind from only investing in real estate to helping the community a little bit more and investing in some of these startups and some of these people that, you know, are really doing innovative, um, great things right here in our own community. Yeah, I think that's a good, really good point. And uh, in, in your last comment, I think a lot of people don't even know what great things are going on, um, you know, and who else is here. So the connect, providing the connectivity and the, you know, and, and connecting the dots, so to speak, for a lot of these entrepreneurs is really, really important. And you mentioned that we do have a lot of other organizations that work with the startups and that yours is, is with organizations that, um, you know, are a little bit more mature. Can you talk a little bit about some of the some of the new technologies and things that are happening in Tampa Bay, maybe that a lot of people don't know about? Uh, of course, we're all thinking about generative AI right now. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the conversation. But I'm sure there are a lot of other things that are going on in Tampa. Where, yeah. where are they and what are they? What are some of those organizations? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I know I, I should probably do a little more research. I'm a little outside of the startup ecosystem right now, but there's a, you know, talking about generative AI, the Maya AI um, guys, it's a team of three brothers that are growing this company. I've known them for a few years and, um, you know, they've been doing this for a while before people knew what, you know, chat GPT was. And, um, and so it's pretty exciting to see right now. I think they're focusing on the healthcare side of things. Um, but, you know, they're, they're expanding quite a bit, growing quickly with all the focus on um, open AI and chat GPT. So it's been exciting to see what they have going on. Um, you know, what else? We have a lot of, you know, because financial services has been so big here, we have a lot of fintech firms that are coming. 
Um, you know, in Trinio with Rachel Carpenter, she's been working hard for years. Um, you know, she's awesome and running a great team. Uh, you know, they've been expanding and growing, uh, you know, something that, you know, has been growing a lot here is cybersecurity. Um, I feel like we've become quite a big hub for cyber companies. I know, um, you know, Rapid7 just moved and opened an office here. And I just met with another company that's um, thinking of moving to Tampa um, from Europe to expand here. So, um, you know, there's quite a lot of exciting things here that, you know, pe yeah, people don't know. And um, so it's cool to see that, you know, how our ecosystem and business climate has changed, you know, especially post-COVID and how quickly that's happened. Um, I've you've been here 14 years. I've been here 12 years. So I agree. It's been, you know, a, there was a slow transition. You knew something special was happening here. Um, but, you know, the last few years, it's just been pretty remarkable to see how quickly that's really changed and, um, you know, see what our ecosystem really can be all about. So it's been pretty awesome. Yeah. So, so you mentioned a meeting with some of the companies that are moving here. You, you have a background in economic development, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that, so, so how did you transition into working with tech? Do you have a tech background also? Not really. Yeah. My background is um, really all over the place. If you look at my resume, um, I really tried to start out in sports. It's like what I knew. So I wanted to be you know, like a reporter, sports information. Um, you know, I loved writing. So I started getting into social media and content building and content creation. Um, and so that's actually what got me to Tampa Bay. I worked for Ironman, the triathlon company for the first few years that I lived here. And, um, and then I, you know, transitioned to in-house. I worked for a, um, Apple refurbishing company. So I think that's like maybe where I started to like learn about like the actual like technology of things and, um, and how I helped, you know, help their e-commerce and sell online um, and help start their B2C um, marketing. And then I went to a marketing agency called Hook and Blade. And that was probably the first time I really felt entrepreneurial because I was their first employee. Um, so it was a, you know, fun to also work with different clients. And then, um, I went into manufacturing in Pinellas County on the sales side. And, um, and then one day I get a call from a recruiter to work at the St. Pete EDC, um, because they like the background of having sales and marketing. And I, you know, it was honestly like, I have no idea what economic development is, but, you know, I can tell you if you look at my background, I'm willing to learn any industry and figure it out. And, um, you know, what struck really striked me about that role was, you know, the chance to really be engraved and help the community. And I felt like I was really missing that from my previous roles. Um, and so when they, you know, called me about that, I was pretty upfront, but, um, the CEO at the time, he just stepped down, but JP Dubuque, he was my best boss I ever had. And when I said that to him, he was like, that's perfect. We want to be untraditional because that's what St. Pete is and you'll be perfect. And so, um, yeah, I was almost there for four years and, uh, you know, it was a great experience. I was, um, the one who actually did all the prospecting 
of the companies to come to St. Pete. And um, so that's kind of where, too, I started towards the, um, you know, tech industry, because a lot of the companies I was working with were a lot of these startups that were either looking to expand from where they were or, you know, ready just to find a better business climate for themselves. Um, and so helping them navigate that. And, um, you know, while I was at the EDC, we were actually members of Tampa Bay Tech. So I was, you know, well aware of what was going on. And we actually would call the CEO, executive director, Jill St. Thomas at the time, all the time to come help us when we had a company in town visiting and to have her tell the tech story of what was going on in Tampa Bay. So, um, you know, that's kind of how things all intertwined into, um, you know, leading me to this, to this position now. Yeah. Well, I love that because, you know, uh, first of all, you talked about learning and that's an entrepreneurial mindset as well. Entrepreneurs are good learners. And, uh, you know, you, you also talked about doing a variety of things. And I think that that probably suited you well for what you're doing now. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, there, there are a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of students I work with that find their application of an entrepreneurial mindset in a not-for-profit. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, what, what, is the, what are the challenges in your mind um, and what are the opportunities of, of running a not-for-profit? You know, how would you, how would you even compare pair it to things that you've done in the for-profit world? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, like I said, I think the biggest thing that's drawn me when I started at the EDC and here is really just the ability to work with the community, make an impact. I mean, if it's not with what your services, it's usually within your mission. And so that's like been what's been so amazing for me the last few years in the nonprofit world, because sometimes when you're at these other companies that are for profit, you know, it might be something that you guys want to do, but it usually gets left behind or you really have to make an initiative like, do we all go somewhere to volunteer? Do we how do we how do we actually give back, you know, because that's not your main target at that point. You're usually trying to raise funds or sell your product or whatever that is. So it's usually the maybe byproduct or afterthought of things. Um, so that's really what's drawn me to the nonprofit world. I guess like, you know, something that was kind of a shock to me. And I know, you know, as private companies, you'll have a board as well, but I haven't ever had to deal with one before. And so, you know, the EDC and having a board that we report to and managing those meetings. And then now at Tampa Bay Tech, um, it's the same thing. We have a uh, close to a 70 person board, um, which is pretty big and not traditional. Um, and and then a, a 13 person executive committee that is more what I work with to day to day. And they do the like more of the voting on things and stuff like that. But that's usually the most in, has been the most interesting um, part for me, but not necessarily in a bad way. It's just, um, you know, learning how to utilize your board, I think is something that, you know, I need to do a better job with. I'm, you know, I'm the only one employed, fully employed by the Tampa Bay Tech. So, you know, it's the more I can utilize my board and our members, the better. Um, and so I know that that's something I definitely need to work on and, um, you know, make sure we're doing going forward. 
You know, you bring up a really good point, and it's been something through my career, you know, that I've had to learn as well, um, is, is how to lead and take full advantage of a, of a not-for-profit volunteer board, uh, which is really different than a board of directors in a company that's paid and uh, has a fiduciary responsibility to the organization. So you really have to lead with a lot of influence and um, and and it's it's completely different and challenging at a lot of times uh, when you're in when you're in that role. But what great uh, what great training uh, I think for many things in life. Um, and you're right. I mean, 70 people on a board is a lot, and managing all those personalities. And thankfully, I'm sure your 13 member uh, executive group really helps you a lot with that. But um, but it it's still a, a challenge and, and a really great point um, and uh, especially challenging. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs, whether they're starting a for-profit or not-for-profit, are going to find themselves with um, advisory boards, perhaps at one point or time, or you know, people that are helping them um, that they may not be paid. And so learning to, to balance all of that can be challenging, I think. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been really lucky. Like, Along their way, <clears throat> along the way, there was I think like a decent gap. I don't know if it was six months between Jill and myself, but and the EC really led it and kept things moving. And even moving on, like I really think we have a great board. Our members are amazing. Everybody is happy to volunteer, you know, help with anything and everything. And our EC, um, you know, our chairs. Andy Johnson from Accenture, she's been great. And our vice chair is Chris Carlo with Mercury Works. And they've been really helpful and also, you know, mentoring me and how to lead as well, because it is the first time that I'm actually leading an organization. So they've been monumental in helping me with that. Yeah, I had that as well. I had some really good board members early on that taught me a lot about how to lead and uh, how to be the CEO of a not-for-profit uh type of organization. But it's great, great experience. And uh, for a, a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of students who want to be entrepreneurs, I recommend to them um, serving on a volunteer not-for-profit board because it's a great way to meet people mm -hmm. and to learn yourself to be on that board. Um, but I will say this, don't have, and you're, you're talking about how, how good they are and helpful, but don't underestimate your role in that because it takes a strong leader, I think, to make to make that happen uh, for people to step up and kind of work, um, you know, in harmony together towards a goal. So setting that vision and getting people to work together. You know, speaking of people, um, and you've, you've got a great board, but a lot of companies struggle with getting talent. Um, do, do you see that, uh, you know, one time that was kind of one of the biggest challenges that, um, our tech companies were facing. Um, how, what are you seeing today in terms of talent? Because it's, it's a, it's a challenge, I think, regardless of whether you're a startup middle stage or your company has been around for a long time. Yeah, no, it's definitely still a conversation. I think, the thing that's been helpful was, you know, being able to hire basically from anywhere if you're if you're willing to have people virtual. So that can help with things. But 
you know, something that I love about Tampa Bay is everybody, for the most part, seems to really want to be localized and wants to hire local, even if a lot of their team is virtual. And um, so I love, you know, I love hearing that. And it, I know it makes things a little harder for these companies to hire. Um, but that just means they're investing in some of these other organizations that are doing things. I know like Codebox is a coding program here that out of St. Pete that they moved from Canada a few years ago. Um, there's Tech Elevator just opened up a location here. There's a lot of different um, of those, you know, lesser known programs um, that are up and coming too that are, you know, specific to tech and coding. Um, but also we have such an advantage in the Tampa Bay area. I think there was a stat of when I was at the EDC, it was like, we're within 90 miles of 81 colleges and universities here. So that entry level, um, you know, pipeline is amazing. And so if our companies are willing to take that chance and train a little bit more, I know a lot of times what I hear is you know, these companies want this tech role, this entry level tech role, but they need two years experience or something like that. Um, you know, that's not really realistic. And we do have this great um, database of entry level people here and they're willing to stick around. But, you know, we need to help, you know, change that dynamic with the companies and the students of, you know, just giving them a little extra training or, you know, opening up those internships sooner so that you can mold them into those entry level roles that you need. So I think a little, you know, some of that still needs, you know, some work in our area. Um, but, you know, with the entry level, we have a, you know, we have a great pipeline here. And there's a lot of um, organizations that are even starting some of that earlier. I don't know if you've heard of Next Gen 360, but um, Robin's doing awesome things in the high school um, area where, you know, they're doing a shark tank type, um, you know, thing with high school students here and they're working on products all throughout the year. Um, and it's amazing to see, you know, that they're coding and they're producing these um, products and learning how to do all these technical things. And then also learning how to grow their network and network and, um, you know, learning how to do that for themselves, which also will help them um, in the future. So, I mean, there's definitely still a tech shortage. I think in general, there was a stat for every, um, you know, 59 unemployed people in the area, there are 100 jobs that are open. So even wow. if we filled every role right now, we would still have an excess amount of jobs. So, I mean, we do have a lot to do to, you know, retain people after they do go to college or making sure people aren't leaving to go to college. Um, but yeah, so there's definitely a surplus of open jobs right now. But, um, you know, hopefully we're doing some things to change that and fill those roles. Yeah, we at the University of Tampa, we, we the majority of our students come from outside of Tampa Bay. Um, you know, we have a large population of students from, well, all 50, sta 50 states, all the territories and, all you know, I think 135 or 40 countries. So we get a lot of people coming here to study. And I know many of them do want to stay. Uh, some of them are unable to for a wide variety of reasons, uh, especially the international students. Um, and I know it's it's challenging sometimes um, to hire people that you want if they're internationals. But, um, you know, we do have some great talent coming here and at 
all the schools, all the universities nearby. So that that's great to hear. You know, you brought up remote work and so many things changed, um, you know, during the pandemic. And um, it's really interesting to me because I think for Tampa Bay, it really was uh, helpful because so many of our tech companies were trying to hire tech talent and we just didn't have enough here. And, um, you know, this ability for people to work remotely, even though tech has been leading the way on that for a lot of years, it's become a lot more mainstream. But I'm curious about what you hear from the tech companies about managing remote work and their thoughts on remote work going forward. I know, you know, certain positions are very well suited to it. Others, you know, are not. And then there's a whole lot in between. Um, And so companies are really trying to learn how, I think, to manage remote workforces and what that means. And we hear all kinds of things. You know, we hear that some companies... Um, you know, are moving towards getting people back in the office. We hear that other companies are going more fully remote and giving up their real estate completely because it's less expensive. And then we hear that there's some complaints from some employees that they're being overlooked because they're remote and not, you know, don't have FaceTime. So so what are you hearing from your companies about remote work? Are we going to be seeing that continue in the future in a big way? And and what are the challenges, I guess, with managing it or yeah. or anything? What are you hearing? Yeah. I think in general, um, you know, people want people back in the office. You learn things that, you know, just your interpersonal skills, especially for the entry-level roles. These students are used to just being online um, and taking classes online and doing everything online. Um, if they then have to go in person, it's a it's a big difference. Um, and but it's a good difference. You really understand that like water cooler talk and why that is important sometimes, you know. Um, and so, but you know, as much as these companies would love to have everybody back in the office, I don't know if that's realistic. I know some companies, Jable just announced to have everybody back in the office um, as much as possible, but. Um, you know, I, I think the companies that are excelling are kind of, you know, being lenient or giving that option of virtual and in the office. And, you know, I think when they're, they don't want to totally completely shut remote work off too, because to your point with like not having as much um, of the tech workforce here, they want to make sure they can still fill their roles. And so if they have to go with somebody remote, they want that option. Um, but they would love to have people in the office as much as possible because it does help with the collaboration and the innovation and, you know, really excelling in those areas and bringing people together and just creating a better workforce um, and work group. Um, but yeah, I think it, you know, that everybody's a little different, but the, and I think again, we're kind of just in this bubble in Tampa Bay where, you know, we're hearing nationally, internationally of, um, you know, people doing all these layoffs or, you know, not using their office space and selling their offices. But, you know, it's not the same here. We're, we didn't see a lot of people leave their office space in St. Pete over COVID because we don't have that much um, and people are still kind of fighting over it. And then in Tampa, we're seeing um, companies like K-Force invest in an amazing new spot in Midtown 
Um, you know, so it's, you know, we're kind of, I feel like in, in this nice little bubble, at least for now, where, you know, tech and, um, you know, the just, you know, company ecosystem and business ecosystem here is still thriving and still, still strong. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a good place to be right now. Yeah, it is. It is. And it, I think it's wonderful that we are finally recognized as a great place to be. There's there's a lot of really good things going on here. I guess the downside that I've seen, um, you know, talking about space from the time I moved here till now, is the cost of doing business here. Uh, you know, originally, uh, a lot of companies would come here because it was so much cheaper. And it still is. I mean, if you compare it to uh, most of the tech hub cities, it's still less expensive. But we've lost that some of that advantage i think as as price as cost of property has gone up but but it's a good thing i mean every a lot of people are moving here and so there's a lot going on and and a lot you mentioned um that many of your board members were mentors and role models for you that's um that's a topic i think that's so important have you had uh you know in addition to those, or could you talk a little bit about the role of mentors in your um, career and maybe, you know, how you think about, about that? Because a lot of the listeners to this podcast, I think, are, are trying to find people that might be able to help them navigate, um, you know, their, their entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, no, definitely. I think like, I never had a traditional one where it was like somebody that I asked them to be my mentor. And um, I think I was probably just too scared and too timid when I was younger. Um, that's changed. You know, luckily, I've been able to come out of my shell a little bit. Um, but yeah, I always just tried to find somebody to, you know, whatever new role I was in or new city, because I kind of moved around a lot right after college. Um, you know, it's hard to move around or even just start in a new office or, you know, whatever you're doing, going to grad school next at a whole different place. Like it's, it's a lot and it's hard to meet people. It's hard to, you know, find who your people are. Um, but I would always just, I was always somebody that was, um, I would always observe everybody else. I'm kind of the behind the scenes person. I like to take things in and then, um, you know, evaluate what's going on. So, you know, wherever I was, I was always trying to find like, who is the person that like really stands out to me and like, you know, figure out why that is and what I like about that and kind of just, you know, try to get close with them and, you know, try to kind of study under them what they're doing. And, you know, when I first started out, I was in sports and um, I interned in the NFL with two teams. So, you know, they're definitely, it's not, there's not a lot of women there. So, you know, when I got to um, the Green Bay Packers for training camp, there's this woman there, um, her name's Sarah Quick, and she's still like one of the best human beings. But, um, you know, I just thought she was amazing of like how she handled herself. And, you know, it's not being timid or, you know, thinking that we're at a disadvantage of being a woman and a man in a you know, usual man filled roles um, and just like navigating it and using it as a advantage and not thinking about it in that way, but also like, all right, if that is the thing, how do we bring other people that feel the same way to um, feel that same way and feel uplifted and feel like they have a voice and, 
you know, I thought she was great um, just showing me how to um, navigate a world like that. And I had another um, uh, person when I went, when I first moved to Florida, I moved to uh, work at FAU in the um, sports information department. And um, the woman leading it was uh, Katrina McCormick. And she just had this like mentality that, you know, things would come up. We had a small staff and we were flying all over the place with the football teams. And she just like the way she could keep her cool and um, keep things together, even when everybody else is kind of all over the place. Um, you know, I learned a lot from her of just like that easygoing mentality. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, you think what's going on is the end of the world, but most of the time it doesn't even matter to other people. Um, and to kind of just like get things into better perspective when you're feeling, um, you know, up, you know, uptight about something or exhausted or um, just like you have too much on your plate. And so she put a lot of that um, kind of in perspective for me, too. So they've been um, some great mentors along the way that you know, I still try to keep in touch with. I love that, you know, both, I mean, very important lessons, uh, you know, empowerment and so many women that I've worked with, women entrepreneurs and women in, in the academic world, especially in fields that are predominantly male, uh, you know, suffer from some imposter syndrome. So having somebody model that, you know, ownership of and empowerment um, is powerful, I think. And then, and then, you know, staying cool and calm and collected and being able to navigate the challenging times. What a great lesson. And, you know, that's part of being successful as an entrepreneur, the ability to, to, to remain resilient and kind of steady uh, because there, uh, there can be a lot of up and down roller coasters. And um, so I'm curious, e either in your background or with some of the companies you work with, um, you know, what, what do you think is the way, how do we handle the ups and downs of, um, you know, being a business owner, being an entrepreneur? I mean, what, you know, how, do, what, have there been times you have wanted to give up or times when some, that you've worked with companies that wanted to give up and, and how can you frame that, um, that whole time? Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you're left standing, it's like, <laughs> that's part of the success, right? Is, is yeah. executing past the failure. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody has their challenges at different jobs for me. Like when I was at the manufacturing company, I just thought that was, it was just a whole different world. And, you know, like when products, you know, I might put the wrong um, person's contact on the wrong product or, you know, different things can go wrong. But Honestly, something that's like always helped me through, you know, whatever job I was at or, you know, industry, I was trying to figure out something that um, my brother and I's parents like always instilled on us was, you know, there are three things that you can actually control. Everything else, like, you know, sometimes you're not going to be the smartest person in the room. You might not, you know, stuff like that. But like what you can control is, you know, always doing your best, never quitting and helping other people. And, you know, if you do those three things consistently and, you know, these challenges do come up and even if you fail, if you can say that, you know, all right, and you evaluate like what just happened? Why did that fail? Like 
was I doing my best? Um, did I quit? And like, was I helping other people along the way? Um, and if you can say yes to those three things when you're not feeling in a good place or feel like you just failed at something, I think that's a ex- success in itself. And that can help you move forward to the next to the next thing and, you know, better evaluate like, was that really a failure? Probably not, you know, and like, how can I learn from that moving forward um, to make sure that that doesn't happen again? Oh, I love that. And I, you know, I, I think it must have been wonderful, probably challenging at times too, to have parents that were in the coaching space, <laughs> uh, because that's great, great advice, no matter what, I think, um, you know, great advice for life. And uh, I love, you know, having those three questions that you can ask yourself can help you say, what was my role in this, right? And, and as you said, find, find a way to learn from it. And a lot of times th- things are uncontrollable but we just can't change them. But if we do our best and we know that we're, you know, we've, we've helped other people along the way, then I think we can be okay with that. So this has been a great conversation, Megan. I've really enjoyed it. I always end by, and, and this was great advice you just gave, but I always end by asking my guests if there was one piece of advice that you could leave with our listeners, um, knowing that a lot of them are students, a lot of them are aspiring or practicing entrepreneurs, uh, what would that advice be? Yeah, no, I love that question. That's great. Um, for me, I think like, you know, I've gotten to where I am because I like, and this is what Tampa Bay Tech does. We, you know, we're a networking organization. And so I've just always um, taken the time to, um, you know, meet with people or listen to people's stories, um, you know. And so to me, it's like always taking the meeting, I think, is something that, um, you know, I've excelled at. And, you know, you might have an idea of, you know, somebody, but until you have that conversation and, you know, really sit down with them, you have no idea where that can, where that can go. You know, if it, it's rarely going to be a complete waste of time. And I think sometimes you can figure that out before. It's not like you have to take every single meeting, but, you know, as long as it aligns with, um, you know, your goals, I think it's like, you know, always take the meeting Um, it's, you never know where those conversations lead to and just building your network is huge. It's gotten me basically to any role that I've been in, honestly. And, um, it's, it's never a bad thing to work on that. And, um, you know, people will appreciate you taking the time to meet with them and learn more about them and, um, you know, feel that they're cared about. People really appreciate that. Great advice. And I thank you for taking the meeting today and, <laughs> and being on the InFactor and sharing your story and, and all the wisdom that you're gaining uh, through your career and working with these entrepreneurs. Uh, it's been a delight to talk to you. And I know a lot of our listeners would probably love to connect with you and maybe even find out more about Tampa Bay uh, Tech, um, if we've got some tech folks out there. So um how can people reach you, connect with you and or find Tampa Bay Tech? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, our website's tampabay.tech. Uh, so pretty easy to find. And then I'm always available on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, if anybody wants to email me, I'm happy to um, you know, respond and answer any questions or have a meeting. 
grab a cup of coffee. Um, love doing that and meeting new people. But um, my email's m.okeefe at tampabay.tech. Thank you, Megan. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you having me. And thanks to Troy for um, suggesting I come on. Connecting, yes, yes. Another entrepreneur that's doing great things here. Yep, definitely. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.